Swaggers. Ooh, we got another week on tap. This is the last show before the trade deadline. That's right, kids. Our favorite time of the year is upon us. I'm actually going to talk about a couple of those in the show this week. And, of course, next week uh, we will record the show early since the trade deadline is on Tuesday. So uh, look for that late Tuesday night, early Wednesday morning, a little recap, a lollygagging recap of the trade deadline. But first, as always, we are <clears throat> lollygagging sports. I am Bo Reed along with Samantha Button and Matthew Irby. And, Samantha, I would be remiss based off of the interesting news that has percolated <laughs> through Twitter and threads and even the even the even the big you know the actual you know news uh, media has picked up on this uh, there's a whistleblower that has said that he has evidence that the that the United States government has non-human beings so we basically we're not alone we have aliens, and we actually have proof of these aliens, according to this whistleblower, which made me wonder, do we have any aliens in Major League Baseball, and who would your suspects be? Now, obviously, we've got a full show, so we can't get too crazy about this, but how about you give each give me one, Samantha, starting with you. Who is your, your prime candidate in baseball to actually be an alien? All right, well, I have a question. Does it need to be a current player? Like, are we assuming these things have been, like, embedded for a while, or did they just show up? I mean, you know, this has been the rumor since Area 51 in the, what, 40s, <laughs> 50s? Irby can help me out with the timeline there. But I, I feel like we're safe going with former players. Maybe not as far back as Babe Ruth, but then again, why not? Let's have some fun. Okay, then I would like to use it. I'm not going to go back quite that far. But, like, you know, if we're going to roll with the, like, that aliens are, like, small and adorable, like, I, the first guy who came to mind for me was Raphael Belliard and that teeny tiny little shortstop, 90, 95 Braves, like really, really little teeny dude, you know, he's kind of a cute little thing, you know, didn't really look like he belonged on a baseball field, but yet he was there anyway, which I mean, wouldn't that make a little bit of sense, right? Like how did that tiny thing get out there? Like, oh, because it's an alien. It has extra special skills from space. So <laughs> I like it. That's I, my guy. I, I like it. Irby, how about you? Who's your prime candidate? to actually be an alien. I, wow, this was, uh, thank you for this, and, and I have nowhere to go on it. Um, I'll, I'm going to go with, um, hmm, I'm going to go with Kerry Wood. Wow. Uh, simply, simply from the fact of here is something that, you know, using this guy who, unbelievable talent, everything going his way, and then suddenly disappear. Um, so, in that fact, I'll double down and say Kerry Wood and Mark Pryor were working together. Mark Pryor. <laughs> that's so great. I love that you that you went that direction. I love that no one's going Otani because that's the boring, obvious answer. Kerry Wood uh, yeah, yeah, and Mark yeah. Pryor. Just, that is terrific. Okay, but, but now I've got some really serious questions, though, because wh where does Dusty Baker fit into that? And it, you know, do we do, do, does the fans in Houston have something to worry about? Can you confirm that Dusty Baker is not the whistleblower? I can. Like, did he know all along? That feels more likely. I, um. you know, um, I don't think so. The, the The whistleblower does not look like Dusty Baker or sound like Dusty Baker. But if Dusty Baker is an alien, 
I, I, you know, maybe, maybe it's, 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 we're, we're just, we're just doing a little bit of amorphous and turning into someone else. Before, <laughs> before now I have to watch Men in Black tonight. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, mine, I'm going with just because the sheer size of this man's head tells me he's not human. I'm talking about one Kevin Mitch. <laughs> Biggest so, I've ever yeah, seen. Correct. Yep. <laughs> yep. Tiny yep. aliens and also the large aliens. <laughs> but, so there's, there's a planet sending really teeny tiny ones and a planet sending really big ones. I don't think they came from the same place. Raphael Belliard. <laughs> no, they're just they're just different kind of troops. You know, Mitch is the guy that can block solar rays with his head. That's that guy. That that's that's his purpose. He he's there to block things with his head. Oh. That's his purpose. It's kind of a useful skill. <laughs> All right. Oh boy. Okay. Let's 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 get into our plan topics for tonight, Smith. That you want to kick us off? All right. Let's let's pre-trade deadline a little bit and Fitting, then, that the, the team that I wanted to ask questions about what they would plan to do at the deadline is actually the only team that's really been active so far. A um, couple small trades, um, both of which are unfortunately quite significant to my family. Um, children think they're being personalized, personally victimized by the Dodgers now um, because, you know, the Guardians have traded Ahmed Rosario to the Dodgers, which is actually probably beneficial to the Guardians from a addition by subtraction defensively perspective um and then you know a bit of a, a personal connection with Kike Hernandez they're sad to see him go from the Red Sox and the Dodgers are, are sucking up everything that they love um so uh it's been a rough night around these parts uh for Dodgers related things but since we were going to talk Dodgers anyway um interesting and you know my big question to you guys was going to be are the Dodgers going to pull the trigger are they going to make a big trade we know they're not allowed to have Shohei because Artie doesn't like it. He's not allowed to stay in town. He has to at least move if he's going to be traded. And we all know he's not going to trade it anyway, but he's definitely not going to the Dodgers. We do know that much. So the Dodgers have responded by picking up Kike Hernandez and Albert Rosario, which between the two of them are not worth anything close to Shohei Otani. So you have to assume that they are probably not done making moves, right? So, I mean, somewhere, well, I have two questions for you. One of which is, the obvious one, you know, is there a big move that we can expect out of the Dodgers? And then the other one is the smaller one, which is, is like, I, I, I cannot make myself think that it would be Ahmed Rosario, but is Kike Hernandez that you guys are going to hate me, but could he be like the David Freese figure of this postseason? Oh, you invoked David Freese. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, that's would okay. you rather, no. would you rather I picked one that was less definitive? I could say Jay Bruce, but Guardians didn't actually win anything. <laughs> it just helped them along a bit. So I'm sorry. Uh, no, that's okay. Well, okay. So uh, reminded, we're, we, we record these shows Wednesday nights. A uh, little breaking uh, news at the moment. According to Tom Verducci, Atani is off the market. The Angels are, quote, going to try to make the playoffs. Duh. Not, not that we didn't all see this coming, but that so basically all things Atani, and, and I'll believe it when I see it. This is the Angels we're talking about, but at least at the moment, it looks like they're keeping him. Uh, but back to your questions. Uh, yes, he's the David Freeze of this trade deadline. I think that's a, that's a good comparison. Um, I don't know. I, this this felt this feels like right now. It's like. They've obviously had all the, a lot of conversations. You know, they were they were talking to the to the White Sox about Lance Lynn 
earlier today as well. So like, they're having the conversations with the big fish. It's like they're trying to make their small deals now before they get into because everyone's hanging on, it seems, and, and as, they, as they always do every single year. The big fish, they stick around until 24 hours before the deadline or deadline day itself so teams can maximize their value. We've all, we've all been through the trade deadline. We know this, right? So this just seems to be like, kind of like, like, the, like the tremors before the big earthquake like, is the best is- way I could put it. Is Lance Lynn a big fish, though? I mean, I know physically he's a big fish, but, like, is Lance Lynn truly a big fish? Like, it seems to me you have Giolito as the person we ought to be talking about if we're talking a bigger fish. Because Lance Lynn, I mean, he's a big boy, but... He is a big boy. Um, and I, I love Lance Lynn. I hope he gets to go somewhere competitive, but, you know, <laughs> he hasn't looked all that great. So... Well, okay, honestly, like, like, so Giolito better fit for the Dodgers and Lance Lynn a better fit for the Rays. Everyone wins. Giolito's a better fit for everyone. <laughs> so whoever gets Giolito wins. Um, but I would take Lance Lynn, though. I like Lance Lynn. I'd take Lance If Lynn. the White Sox would like to trade Lance Lynn to the Guardians, it's never going to happen. But maybe you could go to the Rangers. You go back to the Rangers. You want Lance Lynn? Uh, yeah, sure. I, I, hmm? <laughs> I'm more concerned with the bullpen than the rotation, but I'm in the minority on that. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure if you ask Lance Lynn to come out of the bullpen, you're going to get a belt thrown at you, um, <laughs> much like the umpire. <laughs> right. Lance Lynn he always reminds me of that relief pitcher in Little Big League. I forget his name. Ba- ba- uh, not Bowers. Um, the really nasty one. <laughs> <laughs> the one that sit, mm. sit in the dugout and he's got his 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 clump of 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 tobacco that he's very methodically wrapping in bubble gum. Oh, that's a Jerry Francona move. So gross. <laughs> that's it's the grossest it's thing in the just, world. It's just <laughs> disgusting. That's what I think of every time I think about Lance Lynn. I don't know. <laughs> Irby, where are you at here on the Dodgers? I uh, you know, I'm with you guys on the, you know, getting these these minor moves done um, so that you've positioned the team for that postseason run before making all these, you know, before the next step, because that is what, yeah, uh, Ahmed and Kike both, I don't, not necessarily coming in being starters. The Dodgers got that. You're building everything up behind that. So now you've got this so that if it doesn't work out, if, if the starting pitching market is way out of whack and everything, then okay, so be it. You've already made a couple moves and strengthened yourself a little bit. Um, I do see them potentially adding something there in the bullpen, uh, beefing that a little bit. But I, I, I'm with you. I do think they do some kind of pitching move. I don't see the splash happening, partially because they don't need to do it. They just need one more arm in there to get them. Um, I don't necessarily think they're going to get the one seed. It's, it's going to be Atlanta, but you, you know, top two seed. Uh, in the NL, it's not a bad spot to be. So, you know, y'all have thrown out the, the White Sox. Well, the one I'd throw, too, is just keep an eye on uh, Flaherty um, out there in uh, St. Louis uh, with him being a free agent at the end of the season. So, I, yeah, Jack Flaherty, that kind of move. That, that, that's what I'm thinking the same. This is something that there will be ripples in the water with what the Dodgers continue to do, but I, I don't see the big splash. And it is worth noting Flaherty – has not had any contract talks with the Cardinals. So he's pretty well traded at this point. It's just a matter of where. Samantha, what else do you have for us? All right. So we we just had Hall of Fame induction 
mm-hmm. weekend. And, you know, we've never talked on the show before about going to Cooperstown and sort of the pilgrimage to Cooperstown that, that every baseball fan kind of wants to take in their lifetime and sort of what it's like to go there. And I think, I believe I am the only person on this podcast who has been there. Um, so you do need to fix that, man. You need to go to Cooperstown. Um, I agree. It is, it is a, a thing that you need to do. So, you know, I, I can't decide. I, my dream job is like to be the librarian or the archivist at Cooperstown. But the downside of that is you would have to live in Cooperstown. And guys, I got to tell you, there's not a lot going on there. Um, and it's so I thought we could just talk a little bit about like what it's like to visit there. And, and obviously the Hall of Fame is wonderful. It is leaps and bounds better than, for example, the football Hall of Fame, which is also worth seeing. But it has nothing on the baseball Hall of Fame, which is in and of itself a, a far better sort of monument to its sport, for one thing. And also, you know, Canton, Ohio, quite near um, where I grew up in Cleveland. And it's not exactly like football nostalgia has taken over Canton, Ohio, right? So the, the Hall of Fame is just kind of like on the side of the freeway there um, next to a gas station. Um, so not, not quite the same as Cooperstown where the, the town has kind of embraced the sport and kind of built itself around uh, the sort of, uh, we'll, we'll call it a, a middling sort of <laughs> um, economy uh, around the Baseball Hall of Fame. And obviously, of course, they're, they're big weekend. This is Hall of Fame weekend every year. But uh, it is a lovely place to visit. Um, the, the hotel and food situation area is not wonderful. Um, there are some decent hotels. It's actually gotten a lot better recently when I went there as a little kid. Um, the first time my dad and I ever went, I, I think we stayed at like a Holiday Inn and it was like, you know, kind of frightening. Um, and, and the food is not wonderful. Um, you know, a lot of hot dogs, a lot of like red sauce joints. So not, not great for a person like me. Um, for a different type of eater, it might be fine. But, you know, you don't go there for the food, right? You go there for the ambiance and the atmosphere. And, and they certainly have that in spades. It's got a lovely little sort of old-fashioned kind of downtown area that feels kind of perfect to go along with, you know, this sort of quaint uh, <laughs> attempt to honor baseball and loads of baseball-themed sort of card shops and memorabilia shops. And there used to be a really interesting record store there as well. I'm not sure if that's still there. And and also, probably the best museum gift shop I've ever been to. And as somebody who's, like, very big on museum gift shops of any sort, be it an art museum, a natural history museum, a sports museum, very big on the gift shops. And I have to say, the best gift shop absolutely is Cooperstown. You know, I wonder, is this another example of the NFL just marketing better than baseball between the two? They've marketed worse than baseball. Yeah? I mean, are you, well, you look, you talk about it being, you know, better than the football Hall of Fame, but you don't really hear Cooperstown talked about outside of this one weekend, whereas the football Hall of Fame, you hear about it year round. So I, I think you and I must talk to different people. (laughs) <laughs> that's possible. <laughs> I, I, I've certainly never heard anyone talk about how they can't wait to go to Canton. Well, that's it's more like, I'm going to make a trip to the Football Hall of Fame. That's but I, I've certainly never heard anyone talk about wanting to spend time and immerse themselves in the world of, of Canton, which is mostly like a very d- depressed economic area that has very little to offer and has not attempted to economize. <laughs> On the economize isn't the right word. Um, capitalize, shall we say, on the economic opportunities 
surrounding uh, the, the sports museum there. So I, I think Cooperstown is like a way bigger deal to most people. So if anything, they've marketed it better. Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, Irby, any thoughts on this, on Cooperstown? Uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is one of those trips I'd, I'm interested in making. Um, kind of wait until you know, see where the kiddos' interests are, and if they aren't, then so be it. Dad will go by himself. Um, I, I kind of agree with the, I'm the baseball, but you know, I'm the baseball or football guy. But I'm excited about making that trek at some point to Cooperstown, New York, um, and seeing the Baseball Hall of Fame. And if I go through my life without seeing the NFL Hall of Fame, I probably will be okay. Not going to. You know, and I couldn't for the life of me tell you where the NBA Hall of Fame is, and that's okay. I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm, I, I, but I do have interests and want to do this at some point. So nice hearing that, Smith. I'm glad to know that, you know, it sounds like my kind of little town of enjoying the ambiance of what's there as well. So too late for this trip. Can't, can't, can't hit that on your way to Wyoming. <laughs> I was about to say, no, but when you side. go, we'll, we'll meet you there, though. If you don't want to go by yourself, especially okay. if, if your children aren't interested, we would be happy to meet you there. So it's, it's not a very long trip for us. And uh, I, another good thing about Cooperstown is, you know, the Football Hall of Fame, I think you go, you see it once, you don't really need to go again. Cooperstown, you can keep going back. So there, there are reasons to keep going back. So we would be happy to meet you there. <laughs> what's your favorite? I, I, I would call it exhibits, attractions. What's, what's your favorite? What's your go-to? Like the like when when you go to Cooperstown, what's the first thing you go look at? Uh, I mean, the actual Hall of Fame where the plaques are is probably the least interesting part. I'll start by saying that. You know, you go around, you take a picture next to the plaque of any player who you really super care about, and then it's like, okay, so this is not super exciting. I tend to love the more interactive stuff. I love the Black Sox stuff, as you guys know. I think there's a picture of me when I was in high school, like all you know, dude it up in all of my like then Indians gear with holding my fist up, pretending to punch the picture of Judge Kennesaw Mountain Landis because I was in a <laughs> real Black Sox phase at that point, and I was super convinced that they had been completely victimized by this man. I'm still kind of convinced of that, Me but too. that that's certainly I think my favorite part of it. And, and you know, we we have the old photo proof of you know child Samantha, um, you know, in her like imaginary fantasy assault of Judge Landis. Um, who, who no one loves. So, you know, unsurprisingly, nobody comes for you on that. But, yeah. uh, and you know, you know, you know what's crazy about it too is like the legacy of Landis lives on in Pete Rose. Like, yeah. And everything, everything, yeah. everything about like the all time hits leaders not in the Hall of Fame. Why? Because of fools put in place by Judge Landis. Like, <laughs> right, right. I mean, the guy who was actively promoting continuing to segregate the game. This seems like a guy we should listen to. Not really. No. Uh, yeah. Actually kind of a terrible dude. Black Sox scandal aside. So certainly not baseball's best commissioner. And yet, as you have correctly pointed out, his legacy lives on. So... <laughs> Not great if you want to punch the, you know, send me your photos of you also punching Kennesaw Mountain. I also touched the O.J. Simpson jersey um, in the Hall of Fame. Um, we did get yelled at for that, um, but it was <laughs> worth it. They did not kick us out. Mostly because my, my father, you know, inveterate troublemaker was like, I need to touch it. So I was like, okay. <laughs> I just reached right over and touched the O.J. Simpson jersey. Um, None of that is surprising to me. Yeah, you know, you need to get up to some stuff and turn loose in a place like this. Can't be responsible for my behavior. All right. What else do you have this week? 
All right. So last thing, uh, this happened last week, but we have not had an opportunity to discuss it on this show. And guys, someone kicked a water cooler and broke their foot. It happened. Ooh. Like, yeah. Jared Kelnick, what are you doing, pal? Like, look, I have some feelings about this. I you guys some feelings about this, too. And it's a little bit outdated, but yet, you know, uh, Mr. Mr. Kelnick... It's going to be out for a while. Um, so it seemed worth discussing in that context, as well as in the context of I, I mostly want to discuss this, not from a what will happen to the Mariners because of this, because the Mariners are, are too busy, you know, quickly digging their own grave um, to, to worry about any specific individual. But how dumb do you have to be? And, like, I don't know. I can't, like, as an adult, we have all like had a complete meltdown, right? Like I, there, there are people out there who as adults just never get upset and never like have a complete, like I've lost my mind. I'm having a fit. Like my husband is one of those people. I don't understand it. I've definitely done it. But somehow in that, like having up the fit as an adult, you manage to stop yourself from like cutting off your nose to spite your own face. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. Like there are lots of things that you can break safely while having a tantrum in a dugout on a field i mean we've seen people grab a batting helmet and just crack it between their hands we've seen people take a bat to a water cooler like i would have more sympathy for you if you got injured because you were trying to take a bat to a water cooler and slipped on the dugout steps while you were doing it and broke your foot that way because at least that's an accident right and you were having a like okay you know what? Everybody gets upset. It's okay. It's kind of funny to watch and have tantrums. But, like, it's, this is, like, pitchers putting their fist into a wall and kicking a water cooler. Like, I just can't get behind this. Like, I yes, I know. He's very competitive. Like, so are a lot of people that manage to not break their own body parts in the process of demonstrating how competitive that they are. And also, like, you kind of F your team, pal. Like, I, not that Jared Kelnick was going to be their savior, but, like, you have really screwed over your own teammates by doing this. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know, adult. Like, I mean, think about, well, tell me, when you were 24, like, you probably had a meltdown or two, mm-hmm. right? But, mm-hmm. like, did you kick anything and, and break a body part? Like, no. No, you got to have more sense than that, man. Like, I, come on. Like, I don't know where you guys at on this. I, this is, like, kind of unforgivable to me. Like, well, I mean, uh, unfortunately, like, I, I hate to say this, but maybe we need like, like, like some some materials. Um, <laughs> Double wrap the dog Yeah. No, 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 not that. No, like, like something along the lines of like some some helpful guidance to players about what to do and not to do when you're flipping out about a call or a play or you know a bad inning or you know you, you let the ball go through the wickets and the, and the winning run score and you want it you want to vent that frustration out. Uh, but just have some sort of like a pamphlet of guidance. Uh, that the chief among them, it's okay to beat the ever living shit out of a water cooler. That's fine. Use a bat. Yes. Yes. We should. We should have a bullet pointed little one of those little three color fold out brochures. Yeah. You know, like, like you want to know what Bill Buckner didn't do when 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 he had a ball go through the legs and, and 
in a far more costly situation than this. He didn't kick a water cooler and break his foot. Like, be like Bill Buckner. Don't be like Jared Kelnick. Like, here, have a have a bat. Kick this. Throw the gum bucket on the field. I mean, come on, you know? like, we've all been there. I mean, like I still to this day, if I'm having if something frustrating happens, like oh, I don't know. Uh, the Rangers giving up three runs in the eighth inning to, to blow a game on Monday. I may or may not grab my baseball bat and smack the different shit on my mattress a few times. Sure, I'll do that. Um, but I don't kick the refrigerator <laughs> with my hey. butt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, this is this is a thing. This is a thing. Like you can you can let that out. Also, kind of more satisfying to do with a bat. You're going to do more damage, which just makes it seem even dumber. Like because like uh, the bat can do you can do a lot more with that. Yeah. Wouldn't it be more satisfying to see that thing completely shatter? Like, or you could do what I do when I get frustrated, which is go to the batting cages and you freaking have one where you work. You don't even have to go anywhere. Jeez. Get oh, some baseballs. Man, man, just just knock the hell out of it. Like, like, it's, it's, it reminds me of, of Will Clark and the, and the Cardinals water cooler. <laughs> As a member of the Giants, Will Clark beat the ever-living hell, destroyed the water cooler with a, with a bat, came in on the next road trip, and had a $400 bill from the Cardinals that he paid with in pennies. That's... And I respect the hell out of that. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's fine. That's fine. Irby, how about you? Where, where are you at on this? Well, you guys went Buckner. Um, I would like to, you know, with the brochures, we could even have an educational video series with David Ortiz. Um, David Ortiz, who did a good job of taking a bat to a water cooler, taking a bat to the uh, the uh, open phone as well. You know, oh, that yeah. works also. One. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you one. can... Yep. Scatter the uh, scatter the gum, you know the the bubble gum, the double bubble everywhere. You know that one's okay. Seeds, throwing seeds everywhere, that's fine. The, you know the Rysella glacius, yes, yes. You, there you go. Yeah, exactly. That one mm-hmm. throw, you know, throw crap on the field. Yeah, and 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 David Ortiz has got that presence. I think it'd be don't do this and do that. You know, and I think David would do a great job of that because this. I'm with you guys. This is um, Honestly, if I, I, I could even say that, like, your point about had he injured himself slipping or something like that, I, I or, or, like, shatters of the bat, you know, sticking into his ankle, something like that, could have gotten more. I could have gotten on more with this if this happened in June, not July. You know what Jared Kellick was doing in July? He was resurrecting his first month of the season. Okay, the guy was actually on, on an eight-game hitting streak. He already had more hits in the month than the per, first two, uh, the prior two months. He was actually hitting well. Okay, he was part of the reason Seattle was in this conversation for the postseason for the wild card. And then you go and do this. Look, I get it, man. When you're frustrated and you're in those slumps, yeah, the, the, the frustration let it out. But you weren't in a slump. You just had an at bat that it didn't go the way you wanted. You had a pitch that you didn't like. Okay, and you went off the rails like this. So no, this that's where now this is not okay. This is this is. You don't, you don't, I, I, no Gundy for this guy here. No, I, I, I definitely lost respect for this here because this is selfish, unbelievably selfish right here. You, I, I, and, and, I, and I always get the, um, you all said it a minute ago too about the, well, you know, he's just, oh, he's just very competitive. Bullshit. They need a professional athlete who is not competitive. Okay. Is there one? And I, and I didn't say baseball. Professional athlete across the board. Bench, starter, doesn't matter. They're all competitive. Every single freaking one of them. So, no, I don't know. I can't. 
I had never bought into that. And, I, and the NFL is the worst at this all the time. And, and the NBA is like, you know, well, you just caught up in the moment. They're very competitive. No, 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 no. There's nothing competitive about your foot uh, in a water cooler. So, yeah, no, this is, if I'm Seattle, yeah, I'm, you know, let's, yeah, let's get you healed up. Let's make this run in the postseason. And don't worry, this summer we're going to trade you, Rick. Like, I'm done with this kid. Yes, thank you. Because I, yeah, the competitive thing, like, let's talk about all the guys who are competitive who go completely crazy and, like, don't break their own body parts and screw their own team over. Like, plenty of healthy ways to express that. Like, I don't remember the Josh Naylor game, right? The guy's like, I don't know, I blacked out, who was screaming a bunch of crazy shit in the dugout, like losing his mind and smashing stuff because he was so fired up after a home run. Like, no one got hurt. Everyone thought it was hilarious. And we went, look at that competitive fire. And he didn't screw the season for his teammates. Imagine that. But yes, Irby, 100%, they're all competitive. I don't want to hear this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with, I'm with both of you guys. It's the worst excuse ever. Just competitive. No, psychotic is the word you're looking for. Baby. Giant baby. <laughs> Giant man baby. <laughs> okay. Irby, you're up. What do you have this week? Well, the, the first bit that I have here, uh, you know, with, before we get into our favorite segment of Armchair Umpires, is this week... We almost had some real life armchair umpire, and <laughs> and I'll, I'll I'll set the situation up, and you know it was a Guardians game. So Mantha, please jump in if I if I hit something wrong here. But with um with, with Gavin Williams at, at on the mound, uh, JT Realmuto at the plate, in the moment of calling, you know, as he's beginning his windup, Realmuto calls time. Time is given, but Williams continues through the motion and throws a nice little was it like a fifty one mile an hour ball just not wanting to stop his motion, throws it, and it proceeded towards JT, who, like any catcher would do, grabbed it and caught it. So no big deal, dead ball, because it was a timeless call. But it got me thinking, and I think it got you guys talking as well, is well, what would have happened in this situation? Like, like if time had not been called, what actually happens? And, and it's an interesting a um, couple of rules that definitely jump in here. So there is no specific rule that dictates if a batter in the box makes contact with the ball, um, waving at it, swinging at it, or anything like that. It really comes down to umpire's judgment. Now, the, the, the decision gets a whole lot easier if the umpire judges that he put his hand in the way and the ball would have been a strike. Uh, then it's an actual automatic strike in that situation. Also could have been interesting, too, in that situation is I would think many umpires, as they're seeing you reach to grab the ball, probably expand their strike zone a few notches as well, going, oh, you're going to do that? Strike three. Situation like that. So, um, But it does come down to, and there's a few rules, and, and, and when we talk about batting, we talk about the, the, the batter and establish himself as a hitter or as a batter. Uh, we're talking the rules six, uh, which runs 6.0 through point. 106.10, um, all kinds of fun nuggets there. If you enjoy reading the rule book, it's some great stuff on batters. But, uh, one of the ones that definitely sticks out to me here in a situation like this, let's say the batter, you know, reaching out. Now, if the ball, it's a ball, you know, pretty much it's the umpire is going to call it a ball and it's a dead ball right then and there. 
But there is an exception to that that the umpire can, in his judgment, do is if there was a runner on. Let's say this happens and you throw the ball and the batter actually reaches to grab it and stop it, and the runner is taking off for a base. Dead ball. So in, in that situation, the umpire, there's two things you would happen. If nothing else goes on and, you know, the catcher is kind of what we'd all think, you're standing there going, what the crap are you doing? It's a dead ball, runner goes back. It's a ball, runner goes back. And it's actually not a hit by pitch in that situation. But if the runner continued and the catcher actually grabbed the ball out of the batter's hand and threw out the runner at second or third, you could, in that situation, take the ball to the batter. It's not a dead ball, and that out would count. Um, so that runs in there in those 6.00 rules. And so I just a fun little nugget of armchair umpire kind of becoming reality. So in, in the case where the batter's out, could we call that a hitter's balk? I, you know, it's you can say that uh, batter's interference is what we go with, but I do like hitter's balk. You know, now that we live in this world of fielder's balk uh, as a word that we don't just make up, it's real. Hitter's balk, I like this. <laughs> Samantha, what about you? What are your thoughts on that? I like hitter's balk. Let's go with that. But thank you for answering that, though, because my my curiosity about this was mostly about um, what you addressed at the end there, which is well, what happens if the runner takes off? Like, if you're effectively perceived as trying to interfere with the catcher's ability to throw down to second to catch the runner, then isn't that interference? And the, the runner gets the base, and would the batter also be out? So that was the thing I was most curious about, since as we know the way that this happened. Or also... You know, I, I think we're assuming like this probably doesn't ever happen without the batter calling time. My what I was curious about too, which I think you kind of answered, was well, what if the batter calls time but time's not granted and he does this? Like that's got to piss off the ump too, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> so and, and that's where yeah, it comes into that judgment call where if you mm -hmm. do that, you you call time, you think you got time, the pitcher goes through the motion and it's over the plate. And you're like, no, 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 no. And you reach out and grab it. The umpire is going to call that a strike. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and okay. that's a, yeah it, it's interesting that I, I was curious how this would play out because you, you know, especially in this situation with Ramonto where the ball was, was going to hit him. And let's say, again, I know we call time, but let's say this is real. The ball is going to hit you and you keep yourself from getting hit by catching it. By doing that, by doing that motion of taking your hand off the bat and making the intent to catch it, You've actually given the umpire the opportunity to judge that as a ball, dead ball, and not a hit-by-pitch. I can think of a few umpires who would do that, too. <laughs> mm -hmm, because you actually have to let it hit you, which, if the ump was mad at you, creates an interesting situation, doesn't it? Because you could grant some leeway to, I caught this because I didn't want it to hit me in the ribs. But if you'd already made that ump mad, in some past interaction, he would be well within his rights to say, I don't think that was going to hit you. I think you would have feared. Interesting. Yep. Feels very Joe West, doesn't it? Feels like some Joe West would oh, do yeah. if he's mad at somebody. Uh -huh. Oh, yeah. Uh, you've got to wear it if you want the HBP. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's next? Well, I, all right, so um, another one. You know, we've gotten to that point of the season. You guys, you know, Bo, you started off on this wonderful trend. 
of uh, of death codes, and uh, unfortunately, who are we killing? Yeah, yeah, I've got one, um, and and it was a great it was a great start to the season, uh, but boy, it fell off, and when it fell off, it it dropped, um, and it dropped quite significantly, and so um, I you know you know I. I'm improper. Look, see, I'm an American, and this is a nice British. Do, do I need to tell you all the name, or do you want the death code first? Like, I want to, I want to follow, you know, proper, proper etiquette here. What, what would you well, like? Would you like the team, or would you like the death code? Well, I mean, following British protocol, Samantha. Yeah. The the, the code is already known. That way, when it's said, we know who died. Yeah. I, no, I agree. I agree. Um, you, you know, give it to people. It'll be a good test. You know, could you work for MI six five, whatever the hell the one is that specifically does? <laughs> <I don't, laughs> not great with British intelligence organizations. Um, MI something. Uh, <laughs> MI six and three quarters. Like, would you know who had died um, if this is thrown out there? So let, let's try it. Let's try it. I, I guarantee okay. there's one group of people that's going to know it. And we'll, we'll see how many people outside of that particular geographic area. <laughs> this out. All right. Well, then with that said, then yes, I, I would like to announce, unfortunately, that we have reached the point of the season that we are bequeathing the Birmingham Bridge. Ooh. Bequeathing? Bequeathing the Birmingham Bridge. Who are we bequeathing it to? Exactly. <laughs> That's my question. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, yes, this is the end of the season for the Pittsburgh Pirates. No. So we're giving them a bridge. Which is, well, unfortunately, they don't I don't know. Have <laughs> yeah. It's Pittsburgh. They don't. They they, they have more. too many bridges. Um, <laughs> yes, the the Birmingham Bridge has been bequeathed. Um, the the story behind this is that in uh, February of 2008, the Birmingham Bridge actually suffered a failure in its rocker bearings and dropped suddenly eight inches. Um, <laughs> and this just kind of felt like Pittsburgh, who was leading the division at some point, oh, and no. suddenly dropped <laughs> out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's good. I was going to present an alternative to this, and it's, it's very much, I was thinking along the same lines as you were. Um, so I, I was going to ask if anyone was familiar with the, the concept of a funicular, um, you know, the, those little, like, railroads that go, like, straight up the side of a mountain. Uh, they're, they're common in, like, British seaside towns um, that would help people get down to the beach if the, like, hotel was up on a cliff. But there's a number of them in Pittsburgh as well. You can you can ride one up and, like, go to the top of Mount Washington. It doesn't really have a lot of other purpose at this point in time than that. But it's called the Duquesne Incline. And I was thinking, oh, the, Ducla the Duquesne Decline. Like, there you go. That works. Way back down. So, so but I, I like yours as well. We were, we were on the same page on this. We were thinking the same way. Birmingham Bridge <laughs> dropped eight inches. That's excellent. I like it. I like it. Goodbye, right. Pirates. Bye, Pirates. That's unfortunate. I was really pulling for them. Oh, well. Me too. Uh, yeah. I would have gone cheesy, though, like Operation jo Jolly Roger or something. I would have gone really cheesy, but I you know it's it's I, I I was there I was considering somehow getting PGH in there but yeah it's, I had to go with bridges I, I had to go with bridges it was the right call and it was the right, right call, call. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> All right. And the, the good thing for the Pirates is I transition to the next one. The bridge was fixed. <laughs> Eight months later, completely fixed. So the bridge is passable. It's still used today. So anyone, if you're listening to this right now, approaching the Birmingham Bridge, it's okay. Continue driving. It's okay. <laughs> I hear you picture of somebody who's listening to this and was like, oh my God, is they're coming up on a sign saying Birmingham Bridge, quarter mile, while listening to this podcast. Like, don't be alarmed. Yeah. Okay. You're not going to fall off the bridge. can't take this route. The pirate. pirate season's over. We're not going on this bridge. Oh, no. All right. But yes, uh, so yeah, my last bit, um, you know, we, we talked uh, as our trade deadline approaches and we, we, we were discussing a couple teams um, last week that, you know, not sure of the direction they're going ahead of schedule, build, rebuild, you know, building towards that stuff. And one of those that was interesting, and I'm going to be a little homer here, but it is mine and Bo, our, our, our Texas Rangers, mm-hmm. um, who sit in a very interesting place here where this was a team that, you know, the conversation at the end of last season was about competing and, and playing in meaningful games in 2023, but positioning themselves. And then the way the, or sorry, the way the offseason went, they positioned themselves to, we want to be competitive for the postseason in 2024. And then the way the team responded wonderfully, they were competitive right out the gate. And the Rangers have been a formidable opponent. And they run on some tough times there in the summer. And it gets interesting here of normally teams like this where you're very competitive early on and, and there's a solid line. I mean, we saw the number of all-stars on this team, and you've seen what this offense can do and how quickly they can put point, put, point, <laughs> put runs on the board, how quickly they can put runs on the board. This is the kind of thing that you feed it. Um, but it's different, and it's a little bit difficult because this is a Rangers organization that won a lot of the, you know, you, you, you have some injury concerns that we'll touch on here a little bit. You are a year ahead of where you thought, where you were planning to be, and because of that, a lot of that top-tier prospect talent is close. It's not ready yet. You've gotten to see some of it this year with, like, the Cody Bradfords, you know, but, but it's not there yet. So it's very interesting of what the Rangers would do and um, where they have those handful of prospects like the Evan Carters and the Owen Whites that you can almost say are untouchable, mm-hmm. especially with the market out here right now. Like, like you you wouldn't give those guys up for the pieces that are out there. What I, the, it's the hardest thing here is, is this is a Rangers team where they've been without DeGrom for so long and they will be out for him for most of next season. And Seager's injury, not really that big of a concern because that is, it seems like this might be the, the quick one. But the one that's went, the one I'll keep an eye on is the spot start, or the start that was skipped um, on Tuesday night, and that was Nathan Uvalde's start. Um, velocity's down a little bit, and because of that, you know, could the one skip, skipping a start, it was just a fatigue issue, everything's fine, dude, that's awesome, fantastic, this is great, you're right back where you need to be, Rangers potentially had a starter, maybe a reliever or two, and a bench bat, and you're good to go. But right now, Chris Young and that front office have got a very difficult decision, because if Uvalde's injury is anything long-term, like season, now you're making a very tough choice of do you continue pushing forward this year where you are still in the lead in division, you're in a solid position to make the playoffs, division or wild card, do you go out and add, what, two starting pitchers, two rental starting pitchers? Do you, do you gut your, you know, it's not really, I shouldn't say gut, you're not going to be gutting the farm, but you're going to be hurting the farm a little bit if you're getting two rental starting pitchers. So 
it's a very difficult situation for the Rangers. Um, I just curious y'all's thoughts there as well of what, what what would you do if you're sitting there in that front office? Uh, you, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna preface preface this by saying I am have not and never will be one of those that hoards prospects. Prospects, some prospects play for you. Most prospects are used in trades. That's how winning teams do it. Okay. I'm hoarding Evan Carter though. Well, I'm, I'm hoarding him too. But here's here's the thing. Here's the thing. One, I, I think there's a little bit of an overreaction to Evaldi. He didn't get the All Star break. In fact, he pitched in the All Star game. Uh, everyone else in the rotation not only got that, but they the way they organized the rotation after the break, they all had extra rest even with the break. Plus, what happened on the other side of it. That's what they're doing here with Evaldi. They're giving the arm a break. I don't think there's an injury there. Uh, so no, I don't think they're in the market for two. I, I think that you start with two bullpen pitchers. You bring in a starter, but not the one that breaks the farm. Uh, but it's also worth noting, with the ripple effects of signing a guy like Seager, a guy like Simeon, you now have a guy like Foscue down in the minor leagues that is suddenly blocked at the major league level by a guy that's signed to a six, seven, eight-year deal. So while, yeah, they've got some great prospects that are almost ready for the major leagues, they're blocked, and they're going to be blocked for a considerable amount of time. Now is the perfect time, if you're the Rangers, where you take from those guys, you take from that depth... And you make your trades. You can do that without Evan Carter and Owen White. You can even throw Jack Leiter to deal at this point if you wanted to, just based off of everything else that the Rangers have done with that pitching staff. So I, I think it's going to be a little it's, – it's, it's, they're going to be active as hell. That much I know. They're going to be – you're going to hear them on every single player that's not named Atani if he's still on the market, which we'll see. Um, they're going to be in on them all. But the, at the end of the day, if one starting pitcher and two, and two bullpen arms aren't going to get you to where you want to be this year, then you're not there yet. And that's the line in the sand that the Rangers have to draw. Yeah, I mean, I'll start by saying I, I'm in complete agreement with you that I think people are entirely too precious about prospects. Like they're, they're meant to be dealt. Uh, Most of them are not going to play for you. And if you hold all of your bullets, I, I mean, I could make a gun analogy here, but like, you know, bullets don't do any good without a gun. Right. So um, if you're just sitting around a box of bullets and you don't have any way to load them because they are, as you have rightly pointed out here, blocked at the major league level then there is no incentive to keep them there this is the point where it flips where we talk about is the guy worth more to you or is he worth more in trade if he's blocked at the major league level he's worth more in trade my only question for the rangers is does it make sense to spend your bullets now on a rental are you confident you're competing for a World Series? Because you're just at the beginning of your window. Your window opened early. It's house money at this point. So if you're not sure, I think you might hold fire, even if ultimately you are going to move those exact same pieces for something very similar a year from now. Do you do it now for a rental? I don't know. Um, There's a part of me that thinks the easy answer is always, well, you could rent full-time people. But, like, the way the market's shaping up this year, it's probably going to be proportionally cheaper to acquire a starter than bullpen. No, because there's just, (coughs) excuse me, too many people looking. Yeah. Not enough people selling. So two bullpen arms is going to be tough to come by without selling everything. 
Um, if he's not a controllable guy, that's where I think, yeah, you start throwing whatever you need to throw at people, right? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. to me, it's like, I don't know. Like, I think we kind of have to see, well, where are they at? It'll be interesting to see. Do you go kind of half in? You know, do you, do you grab maybe one bullpen guy and one starter? Or do you grab a lesser bullpen guy? Something like that. Because you don't have the strongest farm system amongst the people who will be competing for bullpen arms. Right. So you may not win that deal. Mm-hmm. But the starter, sure, and by the way, for the record, I completely agree with you on Avaldi. Everybody calm down. Calm down. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I'm in complete agreement with you. I guess my question is mostly about, well, if you're the Rangers, the big decision is, is it worth it to spend those prospects now on rentals? Yeah, and, and that's really... Irby, I think I think where this comes down to is <clears throat> how convinced are you that you are those two or three moves away from a World Series? That's 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 just it. And, and as much as I want to say, yeah, that's where they're at. They're a starter and two relief guys away, and they very well might be. Uh, there's been some there's been some lackluster pitching the last six weeks that makes me question whether even that is going to be good enough to get him over the hump. But, hey, you know, this is also a season that none of us saw coming. I don't even think the front office really saw this coming. So the fact that they're even in this position is so much better than what they've been the last, what, five years, six years? It's 2016, the last time they won the West. Well, and sometimes that's a good enough reason to throw in or at least throw in a little bit, right? Like, how often are you going to get this opportunity? You know, everybody might get hurt next year. You know, even if you're not supposed to be there this year, man, if you think you can do it. Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know. I think you got to try. I think you got to try. <laughs> well, and that's, yeah, I, I, I'm definitely one and I, and you guys know as well, I'm, I'm like Gollum in hoarding my prospects sometimes and maybe a bit too much. And I have mine that I'm not going to let go, but it's a, and that's a great point of what you made. Smith, is are you giving up some of that stuff for now or for later? Sure, yeah. If you can go out and make a trade for a guy that's a year and a half, yeah, let's talk about Fosky. Uh, let's talk about Sagisi. Uh, you know, guys like that, absolutely. Let's see, you know, Bubba Thompson maybe even, you know, things like that. Let's have those conversations. Um, and so I, we'll, we'll see. You know, it's, it's a tough thing. Uh, with the injuries lighted up, and I, and I say that as, as we're talking right now in the middle of the game. Jonah Heim just left the game grabbing his wrist on a swing. So, fantastic. Let's just continue to add to that crap. But, um, yeah, exactly. But, no, I, I, you know, you can't hold on forever. This is a team that has proven that they can hang with anybody in the American League. So, it would be smart. It would be wise to add to this, to, to add, even if it's a starting pitcher and you move one of those starters into the bullpen, if that's what it is to get the job done, it would make sense, make sense to add a bat and an arm to this team and continue continue to fight in that American League because as we've seen so many times in the playoffs, you know, once you get in there, anything can happen. Yep. <clears throat> yep. Flags fly forever. Samantha, anything you want to add here before we get into uh, Baltimore? No, I was just thinking, I was like, I, I have some, like, shitty catchers I could offer yeah, you. Yeah, no. You know, if you need help there, I don't think that you want that. Plus, you guys won't, you guys said you wouldn't trade with no, us anymore. No, no, so, no more. Um, Not but, at, no. but for the record, yes, I agree. Flags fly forever. If you think you've got a shot and you trust your talent development to be able to develop more prospects, and if you're the Rangers, I think you should, 
I don't know, man. You see something nice out there. I mean, you want to see Andrew Heaney in the postseason? Because I sure don't. Like, I might that's, be looking for something. Yeah, <laughs> see, uh, thank you. Because, like, that's that's what I'm looking at. Like, like you know, Dunning, Evaldi, Gray, I'm fine with that ro- playoff sure. rotation. Sure, yeah. But yeah. four is either Martin Perez or Andrew Heaney. I am not okay with that. So that's what I'm talking about. Get the starter, get two bullpen. But if you can do that... Then yeah, I, I give you just as much of a shot in the American League as everybody else in the American League, but that's what you need, and you have to make that determination. Then, is is this worth the risk? It's always risky. Or or do you say I'm willing to pay a little more for a controllable player? I'm willing to give up a little extra out of my farm for a guy who's got a year and a half left. It's another thing to consider. Yep. 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 Absolutely. All right, so let's go talk about another team. This one, it's you know what's interesting about the Orioles, Samantha? We talk about the Rangers getting here a year early. That was Baltimore last year. And they've actually built on that, which is a little surprising. I, I hate to say that because, you know, I love Baltimore. I love the city. I love the fans. I love the fan base. I love the stadium. I love the Baltimore Orioles. They're like my step team. But it's still a little surprising that they have, in fact, built on that. You know, the Rays were everyone's darling for so long because they won their first 13 games. Well, here we are. Out of the break, Tampa Bay is still struggling. They're now 2-8 and eight in their last 10. As we record this, the, the Baltimore Orioles have a two-game lead over the Rays in the American League East. And having watched both of these teams recently, I mean, I understand that one's on a heater and one's, one's in the ice chest. But even when the Rays do come out of it, and Baltimore calms down a little bit, I still think Baltimore is going to win this thing. I still think I think it's their division to lose at this point. Yeah, I look. As I, I have a bit of a biased opinion, kind of like you were. You know, we we love the Orioles around these parts. You know, Bo, Bo and I are both very very fond of the Orioles and of their fans and. Um, also, as somebody who really hates the way that the Rays do business, um, I think they are bad for baseball yep. in what they do. And I am obviously incentivized also to root for someone other than the Rays to win that division, even if sometimes it means you got to hold your nose and root for the Yankees or the Blue Jays. Um, but uh, but look, I, Baltimore, yeah, we all thought they were going to take a step back this year, right? Like, not like we thought they'd be bad, but we thought there would be some regression. And they've actually gone the other direction, which mm-hmm. is super cool. Um they're definitely a team that has a lot of problems. I don't think that pitching is going to perform well in the postseason, especially the starters. But they're going to the postseason. I, I feel very certain of that. And I think that, I don't know, right now I agree with you. I think they look like the division winner. Sure so do. then I let me throw a question back to you then. Um, so if you're Baltimore, what do you do at the deadline? You go after starting pitching too? Is that going to be your competition? Yeah, you know, I, I think for Baltimore, it really is that simple. Don't reinvent the wheel, right? Like, like mm-hmm. go out, yeah. and, go out. You're the one that should be in for a Giolotto, right? Uh, uh, with Chicago, right? Or Strowman with the Cubs. Maybe more Giolotto than, than Strowman. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. No, I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, I agree with you. I, yeah. I like Giolotto to the the Orioles. I like that a lot, and, actually. And, and the mm-hmm. thing, and the thing is, is if, if, if correct me if I'm wrong, but Baltimore's got the best farm system in baseball, do they not? Aren't they the top I believe ranked? so, or at least by a lot of, yeah, a lot of yes, um, yeah, evaluators have so, them first, and if not first, they would be close. So yeah. right, including number one overall prospect Jackson Holiday, which you don't have to give up to get 
a guy like Giolotto or Strowman because you have enough other pieces in your farm system to get that trade done. Absolutely, it's time to go out there and get mm-hmm. that get that get that extra. Piece. Grayson Rodriguez is pitching well since he came back. So. Cautiously optimistic there. I don't want to jinx him again. In fact, Grayson, don't worry about it. I'm knocking on wood. Also knows my head right now, so I'm not going to jinx you again. But he's been pitching. He's been pitching better since he got the get the recall. Go out and get another starter. Maybe two, but at least get that one like top of the rotation starter, the one that you would throw out there game one of a playoff series with the offense that they have in Baltimore and that bullpen they got in Baltimore. Yeah, go to war. I, yeah, Baltimore, real quick on that. Yes, the farm system is very deep. It is still very deep. We've seen these promotions that have been happening uh, this season. You know, and I'm not talking about Gunner, but Jordan Westberg and Colton Kowser, you know, pieces like that. Um, even with that, yes, this is still a very solid farm system that can go get the pieces that are out there. And um, I'm also throwing my my vote in for uh, Giolito, just um, one for, I think it would be smart for them, starting pitching-wise, something you need to have, but also it's starting to sound like the Rays um, are going to get Lance Lynn. So, yeah, let's. I would very much like to see Lynn and Giolito head-to-head. Uh, I know they don't actually go head-to-head, but yes, let's, let's gut the White Sox to make the uh, AL East that much more interesting. Yeah. Ah, well, <clears throat> I know. I mean, I'm, I'm not. I'm not even going to try to be objective. I'm pulling for you at Baltimore. Uh, you're my favorite team in that division. So let's go. I'm not really. I'm not really. Although you know, the the, the playoff history between the Rangers and the Orioles hasn't been great for the Rangers. So maybe maybe avoid <laughs> playing Baltimore in the playoffs. I don't know. We'll find out. All right. So next on my list, uh, I, I figured we would just go ahead and. And do that deep dive into the Barbie Oppenheimer, Barbie Heimer. What is the combined? What is the combined word? Bar- Barbenheimer. Barbenheimer. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So we're gonna do a little Barbenheimer rapid fire. Okay. So uh, I'm gonna toss out a player. I got ten players on this list. I'm gonna toss out a player, Smith. That you go first, followed by Irby, and you each tell me this player that I that I that I list out. Are they Barbie? Or are they Oppenheimer? Anybody got that? Okay, so we're talking about what they would go see, right? <laughs> is this a Barbie person or an Oppenheimer person? Yes. What's this guy going to see? Yeah. Okay. Is Excellent. this a Barbie person or is this an Oppenheimer person? Uh, we're going we're gonna to play Barbenheimer with 10 baseball players. So, uh, Samantha, we're, we're, we're going to start off with Lance Lynn. Oppenheimer. Irby? I concur. Oppenheimer? I'll say. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Right, yeah, right. Oppenheimer. Sorry. Here we go. One of my favorite of the younger players in baseball right now, Jazz Chisholm. Barbie. Oh, Barbie. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, he's he's wearing the pink in the you know midnight showing. Yeah. Yeah. He's got the pink shoe. I I, I hope he has pink sh- some Barbie shoes at some point this season. Oh the yeah, Barbie, Barbie, Barbie cleats. Yeah. Barbie cleats. Jazz has a Barbie cleats. <laughs> All right. Uh, not as necessarily a favorite of the show, but one, but one that is talked about often. Fernando Tatis. Barbie. Barbie. Yep. Yep. Really? He's, he's, saying, he's saying it with jazz. <laughs> Do you think that guy knows anything about, like, World War II? 
No. He's going to see Barbie. He doesn't know what Oppenheimer is. <laughs> Hold up, but, but Fernando would be the one that when he's in the movie watching Barbie and the atomic bomb goes off in the theater next door, he's going, what do we do? What do we do? do I, also, what is that? Also, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, next on the list, Corbin Carroll. Ooh, is that tough one? Yeah. I'm going to go with Barbie, though. I'm going to go with Barbie. Uh, I will, I'm going to do Oppenheimer. I, 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 Corbin is an intelligent young man, and I, and I see him wanting to, to further his worldview there. Yeah, but, I, but he would go see Barbie as well. Yeah, he Corbin's might be the both. One. Corbin's the one that's, he's probably wanting to see if he can find the old school, uh, what is it, the, the, the double feature at the drive-in movie theater. I can see Corbin hitting that up. Well, okay, so would he also, would he possibly be the combo, you know, the one that wears like, you know, goes to see like Oppenheimer first and then changes to, to you know, the pink to go to see Barbie? Maybe both? Is there an outfit for Oppenheimer? There should be. Really disappointing, if not. Right. I, I, I saw one. Uh, there was one content creator that had like a like a reversible black and red thing. I don't know what to call it. It wasn't a dress, and it wasn't like a, I don't know what to call it. The outfit, <laughs> but it reversed. Oh, from black you to mean pink. like date and night Barbie? Because there was literally a date and night Barbie. I had her. She had a suit, and you could take off the skirt and turn it inside out, and the other side of the skirt was a tutu, so that she could go from day to night. Oh, maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's what it kind is. Kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. All right. Uh, this one, I'm not really sure where I'd go with this one, but I wanted to see what you guys think. Uh, Corey Seager. Uh, this one's no. tricky. See, to me, he seems like fairly good-natured, but also kind of boring. <laughs> so to me, that says Oppenheimer. Yeah, because that would be the standard <laughs> like boring thing that men would do, right? Um, but also, you know, he seems like a fun guy, you know, like so he might prefer the comedy. I don't know. Oh, that's tough. That's tough. Like, I wish we had a third movie for him. Neither of these feels truly right for him. Maybe Corey Corey Seager's like not. He's just he's gonna wait until it's on streaming. Maybe mm-hmm. not. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go Barbie with Corey. Um, I see him as the. Uh, the kind of the nice guy that you're talking about, the, the, the guy where he would, you know what, this is a night out. You know, I play baseball all the time. This is a night out. I'm taking the wife out, and she's a big Barbie fan, so we're going to go see Barbie. Yeah, I'll buy that. I'll buy that, yeah. The, the nice guy. Gonna, yeah, take his wife on a date to see Barbie. I could see that. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm really curious on this one. This this is one of the ones I was, I was looking forward to. Uh, Josh Naylor. Oh my god. So, okay. I know it's tempting to say Oppenheimer because he's like crazy and it's kind of like an explosion in and of himself. But like, if you know this guy, he's a hundred percent Barbie. In fact, (laughs) our entire team is Barbie. Like the Guardians, like if the the whole Guardians team, I mean, they spend all their time playing chess. They spend their all-star break. There are photos of our outfield standing in the target playing with the checkout camera. And it's the outfield, all three of them together in a target. So, you know, while the fancy teams are all like, you know, the players are all going on, you know, tropical vacations and stuff over the all-star break, our team was playing around with the scanners in the target. So 
this is Barbie to me. And Josh Taylor, he's definitely a Barbie guy. 100% Barbie. <laughs> yeah, yes, I will concur. I can see Josh, uh, you know, Barbie opening night. Yeah, I, I'm actually not surprised by that answer. I was, I was always kind of thinking that was the case with him, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, this was probably the more straightforward. Uh, Nolan Arenado, Oppenheimer. <laughs> yep, Definitely. Oppenheimer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. All right, uh, Pete Alonzo, Barbie. <laughs> Definitely Barbie. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna go Barbie as well. I, I yeah. Got it. He's got a bit of that nice guy thing going too, like Corey Seager, where you're like, I could see him. His wife looks a little like Barbie, actually. She's very cute, like Barbie type. So I could see him, you know, taking his lady out to see Barbie, and I could see him actually enjoying it. So yeah, <laughs> would he be would guy. he be the one like as he's leaving the the ballpark, telling everyone, Yeah, we're going to go see Oppenheimer. Yeah, totally, guys. Yeah, bye. And then he goes and sees Barbie and absolutely loves it. No, I think he would own it. He would you know, own it? Okay. The, yeah, you know, his whole thing where he was, like, cop to, you know, having been bullied when he was younger and, you know, sort of saying, you know, I'm going to talk about this um, so that, you know. Yeah, no, he strikes me as the guy who would cover it out and say, I'm going to see Barbie. Do you have a problem with that? I think that's Pete. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, two more. This one actually has a lot of free time now. You probably did see both. Jared Kilnick. <laughs> Oh, he's definitely going to both. He's got so much time on his hands. I mean, assuming, you know, that there is, you know, not too many steps involved or whatever, you know, like to get to the ballpark with that injured foot. Um, but, I mean, this has got to be Oppenheimer, right? Like he exploded his own foot. That's true. Like, That's true. I, I don't know if Angry Tantrum Guy wants to see Barbie. I think that guy, right, especially right now, I think that guy just wants to see some shit blow up. He. He had an atomic reaction to one bad at bat. See what I did there? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, you I'm might call that. it explosive. Uh-uh. <laughs> 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 oh, boy. Even with that said, yes, I agree. I think he is. <laughs> he is. He's Oppenheimer bound. But, you know, I identify as an atomic bomb. <laughs> All right. Last but certainly not least. The bowling ball himself, Alejandro Kirk. I gotta go Barbie here. Yeah? Think he's a Barbie guy? I I think all the bowling balls are Barbie guys. Really? Interesting. Yeah, like I think Daniel Vogelbach would also be a Barbie. <laughs> William Zestadio, Barbie. Rowdy Telez, Barbie. Yeah, it just feels it says Barbie to me, you know. They're round and jolly like Santa Claus, which feels closer to Barbie than Oppenheimer because nobody wants that for Christmas. So I'm going to go with that. Yes, I, so I, I hear that, and that makes perfect sense. But, you know, I Little Man and Fat Boy were the names of the first two Atomic Bombs. So, you know, just oh. do the bowling balls <laughs> want to go see, forget everything else. They just want to go see Little Man and Fat Boy. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, that, that was fun. Um, I actually didn't do this on purpose uh, by putting Kirk last. It's just how the list <laughs> shrank out. But our next topic uh, 
is what food would you have in the trade deadline war room? Obviously, <laughs> obviously the, the trade deadline is upon us. And then we got all these stories about these front offices eating M&Ms all night while they're cranking out these trades. So I wanted to ask you guys what your trade deadline war room buffet of junk food would look like. Damn. I for a second, I was I thought you were going to go off into some side thing about what foods Alejandro Kirk orders when he goes to the movies. Uh, <laughs> might be the same thing. Might be the exact same answer. Um, so, okay. So, um, no one will like my answer to this because everyone hates all of my food-related answers, but too bad for you. It's my war room. Um, so, <laughs> number one is coffee. Um and not out of those crappy metal urns that don't keep it hot. Like, either somebody's making a Starbucks run or you're going to bring in, like, my Nespresso machine or whatever. I'm going to need coffee. That is the number one priority that trumps anything that is, like, a solid food. I need coffee. And then I also need water. Um, but aside from that, food-wise, I think you need something that's easy to eat um, that sort of will keep you going. But it's not too difficult, right? Like, you're not ordering a salad in the war room, right? Like, are you going to sit there and figure out how to eat that while you're trying to keep track? No. <laughs> so, I mean, pizza's the easy answer, right? Like, I'm not a huge pizza guy, but, like, I'm obsessed with that pizza place by Ubo that I've never been to that they, they <laughs> send me the pictures of it. I think about that pizza all the time. Um, so, I'm thinking pizza. Um, and, I mean, ideally, you know, what I'd really like is a lobster roll. You know, get a little protein, not feel like you're eating something disgusting, um, I'm not like a big like junk person for the most part, but you know, I do like chips and guacamole, but I'm not eating that while I'm trying to trade. That's a mess, right? I don't, I can't focus that way. So you need some pizza, some lobster rolls, something like that. Really anything in sandwich form would probably work. Um, it's a little something to keep you going. Maybe so you need, you need that protein. It's the protein and the caffeine. I think mostly that's, that's where I would focus. <laughs> You don't want too much sugar, right? Because if you're going to crash. Well, see, I mean, you just and, gotta. What you got? You just gotta be down here because you get the you get the pizza spot and the sushi spot. Don't forget the sushi spot. I think I sent you more. Oh, see, I, I sent you more pictures from there than I do the pizza spot. That's true, and now I also want to go to the sushi place. But I have learned to stop saying sushi in situations like this because when I said I wanted sushi, when somebody asked me on a radio hit about what I was going to order during the Super Bowl, and I said sushi, everyone got mad at me and said mean things to me about needing to eat more food. So I'm not falling into that trap again. Oh boy. All right. Irby, how about you? What's it, what, what foods in your trade deadline war room? Uh, yeah. So I uh, same thing, start off there with the coffee. We're going to have um, some intern who I'll probably give a bonus to at the end of the day is your job is to make sure there's fresh hot coffee constantly. Um, even if you're pouring out some, just go make another fresh Fog batch. chaser? Fog yeah. chaser? Fog chaser, yep, yep, yep. Some good fog chaser. There you go. Represent that San Francisco Bay coffee. Good stuff. Uh, my day is going to, you know, it's going to depend on how the day goes. Like, I want to believe that I'm starting off with something light, you know, sandwiches or some Chick-fil-A nuggets, you know, something like that where it's just easy going. But it just, it really depends on how the day goes because I can see myself quickly moving um, as we, as we, you know, if it's a calm day, as we're getting near the deadline, if I've already gotten one of my pieces that I need, then it's Jolly Ranchers. I was big on that when I was coaching baseball. I'll just have a Jolly Rancher in my mouth, clinking it around. I actually had my kids 
uh, the kids that I was coaching say, you know, a coach, you always know when you're thinking too much because we hear that Jolly Rancher just clinking around in my mouth. So that was big. I would have that. But the uh, if, if it's going rough, if we're in some deep conversations and some heavy negotiating and I'm not getting exactly what I want or I'm having to throw in a prospect, you know, that I don't really because I've got you guys yelling at me saying, stop, they don't get to take them with you, get rid of your prospects then it's straight up Oreos and, and, and ice cold milk. And I'm just, I'm going through packets of Oreos. <laughs> I am binge eating Oreos, dunking them in milk and just plowing through Oreos uh, until we get the deadline done. Yep. Well, um, I am going to forego the coffee. Uh, I'm going straight to cases of the ghost bubblicious flavored energy drink because I need my caffeine industrial strength for the trade deadline. So might as well just give me an IV of that stuff because it's all going to go in all the time. Uh, then, you know, pizza, of course, that's a, that's a, that's a given. Going to definitely have pizza in there. Uh, for, you know, post-pizza, uh, I'm going to need those snacks. I'm going to need the M&Ms. I'm going to need the Skittles. I'm going to need the Starburst, preferably all the yellow Starburst. I know I'm weird. Um... But I think probably the biggest thing that is is kind of like Irby, like you have like the Jolly Ranchers. I've got double bubble. I've got the big bucket of double bubble, and I'm going to probably oh, go through. Dumb. Good I'm, call. I'm, prob- I'm yeah. probably going to go like halfway through this big container of double bubble by the time I'm done making my trades. <laughs> Yeah, no, gum is, that is an excellent point. I mean, it's very baseball, right? And, like, it helps you think. Yeah, gum. Mm -hmm. Good call. I'm going to second that. (laughs) I really, I tell you what, though, I I think we all need Double Bubble to come out with a sugar-free version. Um, No, that would kill me. That would kill you. That's right. That was I I just not thought of it. That would kill you. So not for you, but for for those of us that can have the chemicals instead of the sugar. (laughs) And keep our teeth. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh boy all right Irby you ready for Armchair Empire I you oh I'm always ready to talk to talk baseball stuff like that and I wish I had some Jolly Ranchers right now to clink in my mouth while we oh, did it I was just thinking how much I want some double bubble right about now <laughs> all right go ahead I want coffee oh. yes that's it yeah all right, so got a fun one here for you, and um, you know, you guys have done, you know, I, I first of all, let's 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 appreciate, you know, our fifteenth round of this, and you guys have done very well. I like I, I well done, and I hope everybody at home is either doing just as well on their picks, but also in learning something new and everything. So, here's do we know a fun what our record one. is in that fifteen? Do we know? Does anybody keep track of this? Probably should have yeah. should have done that. Like I, you know, it, it's tough because we've had some where you know it was like yes and no and interpretive. But I guess that's that's baseball. You know, it's yeah. Technically, you guys are right, but I no, I you guys are above five hundred. I know that for certain. Like, there's no way. I, I want to say, I, I I should go back and I and I, mm-hmm. I really should go back and do that. But I would say, I've got what you know of the fourteen that we've done. What nine nine and five. Sitting like nine and five, something yeah, some, like that. I don't know. Were we that good? I don't know. I know we kind of threw out the fielder's clock one because you told us you weren't going to make us. Yeah, that's true. That one, that's true. So that was like a, that one got tossed out. 
but um, are we are we really that far ahead? I would have guessed eight and six, maybe slightly above five hundred. But I don't know. I'm just glad to know that, that we're all in agreement that we're over five hundred. I feel, so, I feel yeah, pretty okay yeah. about that. So okay, for for those out there that would like to verify what our our in our heads results are uh, we are now on youtube and all of these episodes are on youtube so you can find us at lollygagging sports on youtube and verify exactly what our record is attaboy <laughs> irby you can continue yeah, i like that i like that all right so i'm gonna this is kind of a hypothetical situation but in the middle of it i'm gonna throw in a former player that um potentially could also have been an alien we don't know but it was one that is a show favorite and not always for the best of reasons. But when you see why I throw them in, you totally would understand of like, yeah, I could see that idiot doing this. So, um, that doesn't game. narrow it down. <laughs> no, it doesn't, but you will when, when I throw it here, you're going to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so game between the pirates and the, uh, the, the Cubs, um, in the eighth inning Cubs are leading two to one. And with one out, Smokey Burgess drives a double down the left field line. Then Don Hoke hits a triple into right center field, scoring Burgess on the play. The next batter up gets the squeeze signal. The next batter up is Carlos Gomez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good old Carlos. We all remember good old Carlos. Uh, Carlos up there gets the squeeze signal. However, his attempted bunt is crap. Like, it's a horrible little puny pop-up just a few feet in front of the plate. Gomez, realizing that he has not done his job, makes no effort to run and acts just basically freezes himself, holding the bat in place across the plate, acting all about himself in this situation, and does this right in front of the plate, but holds it and holds that bat, and the catcher, Sam Taylor, can't effectively get to the ball. The umpire immediately waves that the batter is out for interference. And as he's doing that, yeah, here comes Hoke down the third base line. Taylor eventually able to get away from Carlos Gomez's bat, grabs the ball and tags the runner out as he's sliding home. Pittsburgh's manager comes out screaming and yelling that ball was, you know, batter interference was called and it should have been a dead ball. What's the ruling? Samantha, this is one of those that seems incredibly easy, but I know it's not. Yeah, because you're thinking... It should, it should be a dead ball. A dead ball. Yeah. But here's the thing. We had a similar one to this, and we talked about how it would be as punitive as possible towards the offending team. So if you're the dummy that committed the batter's interference and your runner chooses to come home, then theoretically he would be out. Right. So I guess the question here is, is this just simply a dead ball because there was interference? Because we've had a couple where there was interference and it was not called a dead ball because it is meant to be as punitive as possible. Therefore, if that guy comes, but the problem with that to me is if that guy comes and he doesn't get tagged out, then basically the batter's interference is a win for the hitting team. So if you play it out that way, you almost have to put him back on third, right? Because you can't assume. I mean, he's going to, you know what he's going to do here. He's going to come back and say, this is an umpire's judgment well, hang, hang, thing, I, right? Okay. But is it batter's interference or runner's interference? Cause I assume there's a difference between the penalties for each one. 
Well, it's definitely batter's interference, not runner's interference. But, but we have it, seen the one where they penalize both players. But if he, but with him meandering around, you know, all, as we said, all in himself, does, does he become a runner instead of the batter? I don't know if it matters. Hmm. I don't know. There's something complicated about this, and <laughs> it should be relatively simple. Um like, I almost feel like you have to put him back on third because if you don't, then the team that committed the interference could benefit from it. Unless you're just saying, well, if the guy comes, it would be the umpire's judgment, in which case you would send him back to third if he made it and you would call him out if he was tagged. Hmm. Well, if you follow that logic where it's 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 more beneficial to the team committing the infraction for the runner to go back to third, is that what you're saying? No. Um I'm saying that you can't the rule what we the one thing we know for sure about this rule is that it will make sure you don't benefit from the interference. Right. Right. So Basically, then, your choices are either it's just a dead ball and you send him back to third because you can't take the risk that you don't know how it will play out at the plate, or the fact that he chose to come home means he's out if he's tagged. And the only problem there, then, would be you would have to send him back to third if he was not tagged because you can't benefit from the play on which your teammate committed interference. That's the one thing we know for sure. Mm. So that makes me think that you almost have to put him back at third because you really want a situation where the rule is different depending on whether the catcher makes the play or not. I'm thinking that you don't. Right. Okay. Yeah. I'm with you on that. Okay. Put All right. Back, put it's him the, back on third. Yeah. So the so we're basically saying that the batter is out for interference and the runner goes back to third. Yep. Okay. That's our final okay. answer, Ruby. I am so proud of you guys because not only did you get that right, but the way you talk this out, the secondary part I have for you guys, you've already answered it properly. Yes, how this plays out, because the umpire is calling interference immediately on the batter before the run, even there's a play or an opportunity there, the ball is dead right then and there. And that is rule 7.09J, um, and it's actually in accordance with 2.00, which is interference, but it's 7.09J in which, in this situation with the batter, standing in the box after making contact, putting the ball in fair territory, he has obstructed everything, and you can't really continue at that point. He has obstructed play from fairly moving on. Now, had the umpire had the wherewithal of realizing that the runner's coming and coming and not called batter's interference right away, and let the play play, basically let it play out, and they still get the ball and they tag the runner out, then it would have been ruled a double interference, and the runner and the batter would have been out. But because he ruled it immediately while the play is going on, just like y'all said, in that moment, yes, that is dead ball. Nothing else can go forward from that point because the umpire has ruled 
this is kind of like with whistles in the NFL, the same thing. Once that whistle is blown, it's dead. But if the umpire had waited for a moment in this situation and let it play out, he could have, in that situation, called a interference that would have gotten both runners out. The runner, sorry, both runners, the runner and the batter both would have been out. It would have been a double play, and it actually, because of where it's at, would have been an unassisted double play for the catcher. Oh, I feel smart this week, Bo. We, not <laughs> only did we get it, but we got the, the second piece of it that we didn't even have to get. I'm so proud of us. Good yeah. job, us. Yeah. We did good. Yeah. Pretty good. It's, you know what? I think we're getting smarter about these interference things. I we think are. we figured out how to make these work out, like how to play it out. Yep. So yep, this we is are. where it's good. It shows that, you know, we can we can learn. We're learning. We're learning new things. I hope that you all at home are learning new things, too, that we've gotten better at this because we've learned to follow, well, like we talked about last week, right? Follow the baseball logic. So, oh, all right. Good job, Bo. Long distance high five. Long distance Good high job. five. Long distance high five. Keeping ourselves above 500, not embarrassing ourselves on this. Uh. Yep, yep. And, and, oh. and, and not a single piece of double bubble was needed, you know? <laughs> but... I don't know. Now I'm kind of sorry we didn't have any of that on some of those ones where we were a little bit rough or if we'd had some thinking gum. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it gone better. We needed some thinking some gum. Bubble. <laughs> we need definitely need some thinking gum on some of these, but that's okay. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us. As I mentioned earlier, we are now on YouTube. At Lollygagging Sports is the channel. So make your way over there. Give the channel a like and a subscription. Help us out with that algorithm. In fact, do that anywhere you listen to your podcast. But for now, we're done. Until next week and our big trade deadline recap, watch some baseball. It's good for you.